This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes, Jeff Hawkins, Chris Novembrino. We got invasion talk, invasion talk, invasion talk. Maybe a little Saudi Arabia post-mortem. Maybe not, depending on how political we want to get. Lots of different things. Um, we taped, I taped, we taped a little early last week, so we didn't get to SmackDown, but I gave thoughts, hot takes on that on the Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. But uh, as I said on that day, because we had taped on Thursday, I got the job that I was looking to get. Uh, I heard on Friday that they were offering me the job. So I put in my two weeks, et cetera, et cetera. Chris, this is now (laughs) become a labor because I I put in my I put in my paperwork and I passed my background screen, all that other fine stuff. I have my fingers crossed for you on that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I am who I say I am. That's pretty much all they did. Uh, HR tells me, okay, well, we're going to be looking at your doing, instead of doing your onboarding in Chicago, we're going to be doing your onboarding in North Carolina. And then they push it back a week because December 9th is easier to to get flights for than December 2nd, which is the Monday after Thanksgiving, which would be hell on earth to try and arrange travel for. I'm like, okay, fine. Three weeks good enough break. I get an email yesterday from the person that my HR person is working through to contact to me. Note the time is 445 their time. So this is, this is the, oh, I'm going to send out an email before I leave for the weekend. The Friday bomb. The Friday bomb. Dear Jeff, looking forward to having you at our office in December 9th. Our address is in Chicago. Here's what you need. Here's the kind of dress code. You know, bring your documents, blah, blah, blah. Looking forward to see you there. Okay. Number one, the most obvious issue with this is they're now saying Chicago when I was told North Carolina. Little worried about that. Not as concerned, though, as the fact that I am in Los Angeles and they have not told me any of the protocols of booking business travel. And I have never booked business travel before. I do not know if, you know, I'm happy to fly first class and book a Hyatt on their dime. I just don't think that would be what they want me to do. So they basically go, it's like I live down the street. And they're like, okay, we'll see you on Monday. I'm like, no, you need to tell me some things. And so now I'm sitting here all weekend going, do these people know what the hell they're doing? I, yeah, that's like, a, Chester, no. Chesterfield feels bad for you. He was uh, he was coming dangerously near the computer here, and I had to <laughs> I had to stop him. He, it's it's cold. Capitalist at heart, yes. It, it's cold enough now here in Dallas that they are trying to warm up on the oven and by the kettle and on my computer and any electronic device <laughs> that might throw off some heat because. Daddy does not use heat. <laughs> we have layers. Why, like, why would you turn on the heat if you could just put on more layers of clothing? Hold on. You're, you're making fun of me before the show for generational stuff. And you're like, I don't want to run the heat. Put on a sweater. It'll make you feel better. 
Yeah, no, and I also use a kettle to make my tea <laughs> and, and coffee. Yeah, I know. I know. I, <laughs> Grandma Novembrino over here. Well, you're always like, oh, I tell millennials no respect for the past. And I tell you <laughs> that I live in 1942, my friend. Okay, fine. I live in 1842. It's all perfect. <laughs> so basically, you just walked away during my rant. No, I was listening. The nice part okay. is I walked away from the microphone. I was listening. I have you on headset. <laughs> People really care how we tape this show. But guys, use a phone and then just record locally. You'll never have to deal with any latency issues. All you kids with the Skype and the Discord and stuff. No, man, the phone company worked out connections years ago. <laughs> Our show today is sponsored, sort of, by Manscaped. And the Go telephone Man- company. Yes, and the telephone company. But Manscaped.com, use code SHAKEROPES. Get 20% off and free shipping on anything. Hard sell comes later. But here's, <laughs> you said here's, hard sell. Here's, here's my my pitch to y'all because they came by. They loved the read last week. I need a couple of you to use this code by Monday. Just a couple of you. Here's a soft sell, kids. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code shake ropes. Get 20% off and free shipping. Need 20% or not 20%. We need two of you, a couple of you to use this. Loved our read. We actually need twenty percent of the entire listenership yes. to use this well, code. We do you were right. Over time, as we get as we, as they buy as they buy ads here, because I'm going to have three weeks off unpaid. Chris ain't rolling in it. I mean, we don't have. <laughs> That's an understatement. We don't have flagship money here coming in. We don't have Conrad Thompson, Arn Anderson money here. Okay, we're just we're just kids with a dream, and and also I haven't had a. Other than Robin Hood, we haven't had a sponsor since uh, a, a regular sponsor since Rob left. So I'm begging now. <laughs> I'm just begging, and that's not Chris's fault. That's my fault because I'm not entertaining enough. But <laughs> I feel like it's partially my fault. I, I, no. no, you shouldn't wear this burden entirely on your own. I could be better. <laughs> All right, but but the hard commerce comes later. Now, wrestle talk. So I feel like we got to do Saudi Arabia just because of the timing of our last show. So we taped that and that was right before the the show. Yeah. The day day of of the show. show. Yeah. But it was still prior to the show when we taped it. Right. Yes. And uh, yeah, you recall, Chris, that uh, I made a prop bet. What are the odds that they get out of there without an international incident? Yeah, Jeff, I believe that was on episode three hundred seventy three. At about the 22-minute mark, I believe. Yes. It's crazy um, that we know that off the top of our heads. But we've also yeah. discussed that on mm. episodes prior, like on episode two or 372 as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, you can say mechanical problems. I don't buy it. I think this is just how business is done. You know, we're going to hold your assets, see how you react. If we respect you, we'll let them go. Yeah, and in this then, case, the assets were actually human assets. Yes, but of course, they they then signed for more shows and a longer contract in Saudi Arabia. So, <laughs> so apparently, they also have a team meeting to discuss this because a few people were unhappy on Twitter about being kept in a foreign country against their will. While the boss flew out on his private jet, and Hulk Hogan used his gawker money to then book a jet for him and Hogan and Hart and his cronies. Brock Lesnar got out of there, but the rest of the crew got to stay in a luxury hotel and eat whatever they want. But it's still, you know, it's still nerve wracking 
having had an experience with Mexican police before, I can tell you being in a foreign country where you're dealing with their law enforcement is very, very scary if you're not used to such things. So they have this all company meeting and, and basically the quote, the quote that came out of there was after Vince explained all this and how it was mechanical issues and everybody saying it's not it's being paranoid and, you know, other people saying, Hey, look, we, we enjoy the money and stuff like that. Vince goes, anybody else want to kiss my ass? And I just go, Oh, really? We're going <sighs> to here. Here's my take on it. If you're in an all company meeting and they're kind of putting the screws to you to say something about something you're not entirely sure about. I know a lot of people wanted people to be brave in that meeting and say, no, no, no. We were being held against our will as a pawn in a political game, blah, 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 blah. But you don't know that for a fact. I say, keep silent, bite your tongue, and then just make a note to yourself that you're out of there the first chance you get. I'm very conflicted because I think... I'm conflicted too. There are enough... There's enough evidence and enough people went through what happened in the hotel and were forced to stay in that hotel against their will that it seems fairly clear that even if you don't know if it's about a contract holdup or if the feed was cut because of a technical difficulty, what you do know is that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia held you against your will And when MBS and his government did that a few years ago to people who were formerly in the government, things didn't end so well. So to your point, yeah, it's a really nerve-wracking situation. You've got an employer who uh, created a real safety situation for a bunch of his contractors, not his employees, but the people he's nominally doing business with. And I think it's a criticism of Vince as a businessman, and while... I definitely appreciate not wanting to get over your skis, especially in an employment situation. I think everyone in that room had more than enough evidence to come up with a conclusion on what they think went on and, more importantly, what they think of Vince McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment as an employer. My personal feeling is as the leader of men and as the head of a corporation, you make sure your assets are out before you leave. But that's me. I I get (laughs) Vince... Vince has disposable assets. That's, I mean, that's the only way I can view that. To right. Me. And so, I mean, and, and if you're saying that, then I think everyone in that meeting could probably conclude that too, right? So, yeah. I mean, if they wanted to make their move then and there, given the facts set in this specific case, I think they would have been more than justified to. Case in point. Because they were stuck in Saudi Arabia, we got to see the NXT crew flown up to Jersey and do an invasion angle for Survivor Series. I I am not a fan of invasion angles. We'll get into that in, in a second. I thought, I thought, though, on this Friday show, the, last Friday, I thought a lot of people came off really well. There was a lot of knees to jaws that were uh, being used by these NXT guys. They were using their indie style versus WWE style. I, I thought Keith Lee came off like a, like a Uber star. I thought Shayna Baszler attacking Sasha and Bailey and Nikki cross was great. The only two. I liked yeah. Pat and Renee. I thought that they found yes, they're great too. a beat on commentary. Once Pat settled that he's like, not 
good at wrestling commentary, <laughs> but but he gets the dynamic he's trying to hit. And eventually, with Renee kind of leading him along a little bit, he found his stride on commentary, and, and he got over that this is the greatest night in the history of SmackDown Live. By the yes. end of it, I remembered it. I'm now a week out, and I remember it. And that is That is wrestling. You get something over. McAfee is a wild card thrown into a very corporate environment. I get that. And I thought Tom Phillips was great all night on commentary, to be honest with you. I think Tom Phillips is better than Michael Cole and should be that guy. But on the other side of that, the timing of McAfee coming on to commentary was so abrupt because Aiden English, God bless him. I think Aiden tries. Did he get hooked because he said no? No, it, it it's just that's when the NXT crew got in. So that's when McAfee was there. But yes, he blew Shayna Baszler's nickname, calling her the Queen of Hearts versus the Queen of Spades. And then all of a sudden, the next segment, ain't English ain't on the commentary no more. Without any explanation. They should have <laughs> jumped him. They could have <laughs> yes. very easily done a jump angle and put Pat in the chair. Like they did Dio Madden. Yeah, or, well, with with Brock on yeah. Monday. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, like that spot too. I don't, you know, I don't understand the Champa Miz segment as much as other people. I thought it was bad. I thought the promo was bad. I thought the wrestling was. It was almost like Champa was waiting for Miz to catch up the entire match. A lot of times I thought Miz tried. I just didn't think I, I don't think they clicked at all in any level. And it actually made Ciampa look bad on this. And most of all, I don't Matt Riddle as lieutenant. I don't get that. He's just being quiet and just kind of doing a few kicks here and there. And that's about it. And you'd think he should be, be Mr. Time. Charisma, Mr. Swagger. Yes. And this is. He should be one of the faces you're getting over, but one of the confusing parts in the invasion angle thing is that Riddle's character does not lend itself to this invasion storyline. He, he's yeah. great as the defender. He's not great as the attacker because this guy shouldn't want to attack anybody. He's the Rob Van Dam of the ECW invasion. You know, he should just, hey, man, whatever. Okay, cool. You know, the kind of thing. See, I don't like invasion angles for this reason. Uh, you know, the, in WCW, when they did the NWO, the problem was the invaders became so popular that they couldn't get the heat back on WCW to, to the point. Well, where that's also the- because they didn't get the heat back onto WCW that the invaders became so popular. The outsiders yeah. never lost in 96. It felt yeah. like. And your and your main ass kicking group at that time, the horsemen, were just made to look like geeks week after week after week. In WWE, what they do is they do it kind of like stable wars, where there's a star, and the star is the guy supposed to get over, and the rest are cannon fodder. And right now, the issue for me with this invasion angle is that Hunter is the guy. In charge. Now, I don't have a problem with Hunter being the guy. Like, if Hunter came in and opened the door to the arena and all the NXT guys came in and started doing their thing, but it should be the Undisputed Era leading this charge as opposed to Triple H. 
to me because Triple H is the guy getting all the heat here. Triple H is the guy cutting all the promos and these are my kids and this is my army and this is my thing. And it's like, okay, I get for the main, I get the strategy and I think there's legitimacy to it that nobody who watches SmackDown and raw or a lot of people don't know who these people are. So you have to connect them with a star to make them legitimate. I get that because I say that every week that the, the, the crossover audience isn't there at the same time. You also have HBK there helping triple H, you know, they're really pushing hard that these are stars and these NXT guys are aligned with the stars. So ergo, you should like them as opposed to these NXT guys are stars. People said that week when the episode aired, because it's like the hot take and it was refreshing in certain ways to see WWE freed from some of its normal tropes because they had to put this show together so quickly. But I think with a little bit more reflection, this invasion angle should really just be Imperium and the Undisputed Era invading the main roster and leave your Keith Lees and your Matt Riddles and Tommaso Ciampas and those guys on NXT because I think it confuses the tone yes. of what Hunter's invasion is. If Hunter was leading Imperium on one hand and the Undisputed Era on the other and you were slowly building tension between Imperium and the Undisputed Era but not at this moment. they At this moment they were more or less on the same page as they were doing this invasion but you're planting the seeds for their feud down the line. I think you get more mileage out of that or I think they get more mileage out of it than bringing up Tommaso Ciampa and bringing up Finn Balor and bringing up Johnny Gargano. Like it's it's just hard to square it. Who's the good guy? Who's the bad yes. guy? I, I think sometimes gray area is fun and sometimes gray area is confusing. And this is one of those scenarios where gray area, in my opinion, is not fun. It's more confusing. And I think if you had more black and white and the NXT invaders were wearing the black hat a little bit more, they'd be in a better place. Yes. No, that, no. I, I think you hit on something important. I'm going to take it another step. If you're going to do an invasion, it should be heels. It should be nothing but heels if you're doing an invasion. If you're overthinking this and thinking, okay, if NXT people come in, they're going to get cheered, so we need to bring in baby faces as well so that they cheer a little louder, and then we're going to split the audience 50-50, baby faces should be coming in and just challenging guys as opposed to jumping them. Like, you have enough heels on this NXT roster where you could do Imperium, you could do the Undisputed Era, you could do Shayna and fight and play. You know, you could do Bianca Belair, who I thought looked really good in here. You could do Io Shirai. The problem then comes when you're bringing out Tegan Knox, who is, you know, the shiniest wizard as evil, evil heel who's going to knee people in the face. That's that's where the problem. I think that actually works better for both her and Dakota. But yeah, no, I I I agree. I I think it it mixes the message, and also you could be telling this long term story between Adam Cole and Walter, where like they're main eventing on Raw and SmackDown as an uneasy heel tag team alliance, and they're getting wins, but it's building tension to them eventually having to square off. I I just think that there's more of an opportunity for longer form storytelling. If you were doing it with exclusively Imperium and the Undisputed Era, the problem with this roster, whether they are slapping shows together because people are being held hostage in Saudi Arabia or not, is that they're just not focused on that longer term storytelling right now. Yeah, like Cole 
getting the win over Daniel Bryan was great. I thought clean without anybody interfering really made Adam Cole look good. The numbers reflect it. I mean, there was only like, uh, what was it? Like an 8,000 person gap between AEW and NXT this week. So it obviously generated interest. I think one had like 829. The other had like 821. Or These numbers are effect. still going the wrong way though. I agree. I agree. There's just too much wrestling to be had. I think that, I think it's, yeah, I think wrestling fatigue is not a narrative that has been fully considered by a lot of the commentariat. It's hard to watch this many hours of wrestling every single week. At a certain point, you have to go, am I watching Raw and SmackDown and NXT and AEW and also Power? And it looks like what's happening is people are kind of picking their time. So the numbers, I, I, I would speculate that the numbers are in part dropping because Although there's the same amount of people watching wrestling over the week, they're not watching every show. Yeah, and they're picking and choosing. Um, in terms of Wednesday night stuff, look, I think AEW is winning on commentary with Shivani and Excalibur, not so much with JR, and in tone. I think the tone of the show is fantastic. I think the matches on the show, I still lean towards NXT. I still enjoy those a lot more, but it just feels it feels like more WWE is my problem in 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 tone and how they get over. This is why I don't like the invasion angle. Is NXT yeah. felt different, and once you start bringing that main roster down to NXT, it makes them feel more like the main roster, which I don't enjoy. Um, so I'm having I'm having issues right now. I mean, you compare the the, the Cody promo, which I thought was. Very good. I want. I'm not putting it in the great category. I put it in the very good. What keeps category. you from putting it in the great category, Jeff? I don't know. I I just don't. I, I'm. What do you put it in the great category? Um, I don't. I'm trying to think. There's was just as to what missing. there was there's something just, missing. Uh, you know, okay, here's what it is. Here's what it is. quotable, maybe? Once, I don't know. Once he started crying, I thought the pivot into the tears, the from undeniable to whatever it is, whatever that line, or unteachable or unusable to undeniable. I mean, I know it's all worked, but like that didn't quite feel earned. It felt like that was supposed to be, quote unquote, his strong okay. closing tagline thing. The generational stuff, I mean, I think it's weird only in the sense that, like, it's not really what Jericho's saying and not really the story Jericho's telling. And I guess we also need to talk about the Jericho package, too. What do you think about we the Jericho in, package? We will in, we will in a second. I, I just, here, here what I, the only reason I brought it up is because I wanted to counteract that with the SmackDown opening promo last night of King Corbin. I didn't even watch that. Dude, oh, I don't I don't watch anything with Baron Corbin. It dude, it was an all-time bad promo. It was all about the big dog and his small testicles and how he yips like a chihuahua. I'll leave it at that. It was all-time bad. It was insulting to the intelligence. Look, Jeff, I don't I get don't it, Cody's but people was. like their small dogs. Yeah, well, they probably don't like their small dogs when the barks are being transposed over the computerized big dog logo. Um, Vince has a obsession with manliness 
and he thinks the worst thing you can do is make fun of someone's craftsmanship. Yes, and their testicular fortitude and how you don't have any balls. Like like you're in a you're in a 13-year-old locker room or something like that. So it, it, that's how I wanted to count about it. The Jericho promo, I'm going to tell you something. It popped me hard. The, the, the Sammy Guevara line, he's the youngest AEW champion in history. No, it's funny. I, it's, it's, it's funny. Definitely, it's not money. It's, it's de- not money. Yes, it's right. It's it's funny, but it's not money. And, and I think that that is an important point of distinction. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you catch that uh, his honor, whatever her name was, uh, Bobski, like uh, in Southpaw Wrestling. I appreciate all the callbacks. Cheeky Chris Jericho. He's a funny guy. There's no denying that. But that's not what we want here. We I think it's heat. it's the problem. It's not even it's not money. It's that it makes things muddy. Um, and it doesn't necessarily jibe well with Cody's promo, which was super hyper serious. I, and you can make your own little glue narrative of, well, but Jericho's not taking this seriously and Cody's taking this ultimately seriously. And, and if you're saying that, then I, I, this is a little bit of like poli-sci theory, but like I kind of go back to the example of um, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. Who is having more fun here? Who comes off as Bugs Bunny between the two of these people? That's the person that, like, in politics, we generally say we're more gravitating towards. And in this case, Chris Jericho is the guy who's coming off as Bugs Bunny, and Cody Rhodes is coming off as Elmer Fudd, a much more attractive one. I'll, I'll do another comparison that's more wrestling-related. I, I think Jericho is really channeling the Nietzsche boy, from the eighties here with, you know, the limousine and the bubbly, you know, living the high life of the champion of but the, the nature of was not a piss taker okay. like this. Yes. And that's what it is, is he was funny when he was playing around with like, with, with the announcers, you know, Tony Chavine, we're going to go to the Hyatt. I'm in room 875. If you're in between the ages of 18 and 25 and want to see how you measure up, woo, we got to be there. We got to party all night long. And then he'd pivot dusty in the Omni in the cage. I'm going to break your leg. And, and that's when you knew, okay, he's flaky on his off time, but when it comes time to punch the clock and go to work, he is the, the he is the greatest performer of all time, and you're not going to deny him that. Jericho is leaning too hard into the you lifestyle. You never get that sense from Jericho. No. I, there is no, I'm going to snap into second gear. We haven't really seen that in any of his matches, the way they've been booked. He's never gone to championship levels of aggression. And... I think he's entertaining. He's doing a great job. He's great on the microphone. We've talked about all of the high points, but this is a big glaring one. And I think that actually, it's it's not a different analogy. I think it's a different point, but I think it blends really nicely with my point about you know Jericho being Bugs Bunny and Cody being Elmer Fudd here. And we don't ever see any of the uncool side of Chris Jericho because they're spending so much time trying to make him cool. Even when they've got Sammy Guevara on there making the hammy line about Jericho being the youngest champion ever, Guevara thinks that Jericho is cool. And you can say, yeah. well, that's because he's a twerp. Except that, like, 
Yeah, that's supposed to be the character, but he's a guy with a spiffy haircut and a leather jacket, and he's got shredded abs. Is he uncool? Well, here, here, here's the thing, and here's a movie corollary for you, because I think Guevara is a great flake. He's the guy that's supposed to be Oh, he's awesome. No, he's great. flake. Yeah. Did you ever see, uh, it's from 1986, 1987, the sequel to The Hustler, The Color of Money? I did not. Okay. Sammy Guevara is Tom Cruise in The Color of Money. Chris Jericho should be Paul Newman here. Just cool, awesome, here, I'm teaching you the ropes, kids. Here's how you make money as a champion. And, and, and Guevara as the flake, you know, is supposed to be, you know, playing pool, the werewolves of London, you know, and just, you know, yeah, the humor should be moving through one of the goons, whether it's, yes. uh, the tag team or Hager, or, even. Yeah. Hey, Hager is, he's the strong silent guy. And so he can kind of be like, um, a foil to the Jay and silent Bob thing. So yeah, you know, Guevara and Hager should basically be working a Jay and silent Bob sort of comedy gimmick, or you could have the tag team doing that as well. I think those are where the humor should be coming from. And Jericho should almost be deeply unfun. And I yeah. don't know that he has the discipline to work like that. Jericho should be Nick Aldis right now. Yeah. No, no J- Nick Aldis is uncool. It's great. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little NWA talk after after the read. It's earmuffs time, parents. So if you got children in the car, give us a couple minutes and then come back. I can't time it for you, as Chris so aptly noted last week. But now we talk about muff removal. Yes. We <laughs> Manscaped. Oh, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use code SHAKEROPES. Get 20% off with free shipping. Chris, I have to groom. I am a hairy, hairy man from the neck down. I am Dutch Mantel. You know, when I was younger, no one told me I had to groom down there. You're not... How about something? How about something uh, reggae-ish? Oh, since, well, since, well, I was going to give you the blues. I, I thought this is going to be like the uh, two hairy blues, but we can do a little reggae. You want to do a little reggae? A little reggae because you know you don't want to be a Rastafarian down there. You don't want dreads. You don't want long hair. You don't want to be a long-haired hippie below the waist. No, who's you treading there? I just keep going. No, just keep going. I'm not. I mean, you know. <laughs> Look, Manscaped has all the products you need to be groomed down there because the ladies aren't going to go down. They ain't going downtown if there ain't no class downtown. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Downtown is where the fun is. They want to see the bright lights. They want to see the bright lights, big city. Thank you, Petula Clark. (laughs) You know, Manscaped has redesigned their electric trimmer. Lawnmower 2.0. Yeah, tell them about the lawnmowers. No more bright lights, big city. Tell them about the lawnmower. Now they have a lawnmower 2.0. Way better than the original lawnmower. I have used this. You can use it in the shower. It can. It is waterproof. It goes for 60 minutes. It's a 60-minute man, and it's all night long, baby. As opposed to the former 15 minutes. They have toner. They have deodorant. They have face wash, which makes Chris feel pretty. Chris feels very pretty using I the face so wash. I feel so pretty. They have—they just have things to make you feel clean, both from the neck up and from the waist down. So, how do you go and get this? You go to manscaped.com. You get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Shake Ropes. 
20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SHAKEROPES. Couple of you, hey, if you could do it by Monday, that'd be great because that we drop this show late in the week and they get uh, they get the analytics on Monday. So we run on a very short time frame. Let them know you love us because we love them. Their products are fantastic. And Manscaped, we love you. Yes. Manscaped.com. Shake ropes. Remove those muffs. <laughs> yeah. So NWA real quick. Um, good. I thought, I think this Aaron Stevens thing has almost run its course unless you're going to take it up a level. Man, if he moved on from the show, like, I, yeah, I, I think he's done, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel like we did the whole story with it this was, guy. Yeah, it was so weird because it's like he's coming in a name. Seems like he's going to be endearing. And then he does the mid mid card comedy gimmick and then he just gets beat. Maybe it's just off to do more acting for a while till he comes back. I'd be fine with that. We and then we reset the guy. I, I actually think that that's probably the best option with this storyline is to just go, okay, well, we didn't necessarily stick the launch on this. Let's, you know, have him go away for a while. He can come back. He can be a little more serious. If, if he's away for, let's say, six episodes, when he comes back, it's effectively a reset button. Yeah, we, we had a title change with Colt Cabana beating James Storm for the North American title. All sorts of odd, odd that North American storyline is really hard to follow. It's hard because to keep have, all have, the moving parts straight. You have Eli Drake, who's there backing James Storm, but he was kind of there for Cole Cabana before. You have Mr. Kennedy out there. You have uh, 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 the name of the woman, the bodyguard. Oh, yeah. You had, uh, oh, I keep God. Brick, because that's the last name of her, her, her thing. Camille. Her, uh, you had Camille. Camille out there. Camille out there staring down Mr. Anderson as Colt gets the pin, distracting James Storm. Again, it's week number two of, okay, who's, I don't mind subtlety. This isn't subtlety. This is just not having lines, I think. No, I think they've got storylines for all of these characters and them all at once yes and i could even unwind all of them and i think i'm following all of the different pieces but i gotta tell you for a viewer there are a lot of moving pieces going on here that that scene did make sense because what all this is doing is all this is gonna try to flip storm and he probably will flip Storm. That's why we keep going back to the ball shot. That was a reveal of Tim Storm's character here. That's why you know, he interrupted that interview this week with Tim Storm, kind of pulls him aside. He's doing the charm offensive. Camille's out there, and I want to say she was running interference, and it was helping, I believe it was Eli Drake. But I, I think that's kind of part of this, too. No, she was she was staring down Mr. Anderson. Yeah, but as, th- that was indirectly helping somebody else, and that was the more important part with I that. Think it was, they, she was trying to help Colt. Yeah, it's not who storm. she was staring at. It wasn't Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, that that's the red herring there. Um, so there's a plan that all this and Camille are enacting here. That's going on concurrently with Eli Drake's plan involving James Storm in the North American title here, and so I, I, it makes I get what they're trying to do, but 
David, for someone who is into complicated writing, let's say, I'm having a hard time like resorting it out in my head right now, and I think it, it's probably just a little bit too complicated. I liked the quiet time between Aldous and, and uh, Tim Storm. I thought that was pretty good. No, it's good. I, I, the, the, all this stuff is fantastic. I, I think that he is on a very clear and coherent and sustaining dark turn, and it's nicely done. And I guess the only other thing to really bring up uh, for me, I love Thunder Rosa. Oh, I, dude. I, I oh, yeah. Like, no, this is this is super important. I, I want to hit this note because for years I I was tough on the Cobra Moon character on Lucha Underground and always a very big proponent of her as the Thunder Rosa character. And now people this week on Power got to see kind of what I was seeing on Lucha Underground. Is it like, she's got a thing, man. She's always had a thing. It's just making her be a sneaky snake was a stupid and silly way of maximizing this person's character. I, I, yeah, Thunder Rosa, can't say enough good things about the character. I I think uh, it has, as a babyface, the ability to connect with young girls the same way we once said about Bailey. Um, As a heel, I think it's intimidating and fear-inducing, and I think it's great that she's got a character that can play both ways very easily. She wasn't... I thought Angela Fong was Cobra Moon, right? No, no, she was Cobra Moon. She was Cobra Moon? Who was Angela Fong then? She was uh, Black Lotus. Yes, she was Black Lotus. Okay, I get get all the code names mixed up. Um, I'm going to take the Thumper's Mom tactic on Marty Bell. I still feel bad for Marty Bell because... She's the only person to ever go into full sail during that first May Young Classic and just stink up the joint. And she she got booed out of the building, didn't get used the rest of that entire first May Young Classic. I felt horrible for her. Thumper's mom. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. So I won't. Um yeah. Uh you you were uh you alluded there to Bailey's heel turn. You are not a fan of this she's not doing a good job with it man uh, this week on commentary agree. this week on uh, it's, commentary it's, oh it's my headset sucks my headset sucks you i'm a heel now my headset sucks because my headset there's there's water on the headset graves um, come on dude like pat uh, mcafee was doing a better job getting the ropes of being on commentary there's it's so weird because they did a house show in England, I think on the way back from Saudi Arabia or on the way to it where they're doing the, Hey Bailey, I want to know. And she takes the house mic and she goes, no, I don't want to be your stupid girl. And she gets the crowd against her. And it was really good. There's something there in either the attitude or the posture or the poise or the look or whatever. It's just not, I agree. It's not coming across on commentary and I want it to work. I do. I, I really do want. She doesn't know how this character talks now. No. And, and I don't think this character is outfitted right either. But the much more glaring issue in the immediate is she does not know how this Bailey talks. No, she does not. And that's that's an issue. It's it's she's she's doing petulant 15 year old in their room listening to the cure versus actual heel. She's doing apathetic. And apathetic doesn't work. You have to feel something if you're acting. So you, you you either have to be angry or you have to be morose over how they treated you. You can't just be, uh, whatever. 
Oh, there's there's Sasha. She's my girl. And that's uh, part whatever. of the problem, though, too, is that they have been very non-committal as to what the dynamic between Sasha and Bailey is. Are they the two heels who are two peas in a pod and super uber best friends in we simpatico, or is Sasha grooming Bailey to stab Bailey in the back? And the answer, in my opinion, has to be the first because the latter makes no sense that you want Sasha as a heel and you want Bailey as a heel at the end of this. And if Sasha is, she's the one without the title, going to stab Bailey in the back, that's going to make Bailey a baby face again. And why would you want to do that? I would tell Bailey if, if I was coaching her on acting, uh, and I've had experience coaching people on acting, before you go out there, get in touch with your inner bitch. Get in touch with that one who that one time where they were really teasing her to be the heel where she told Sasha she ain't the S word. Get in touch with that Bailey and just keep in that mindset. Keep talking like that. Keep mumbling to yourself as you're going out there in in that mindset and then just start saying whatever comes to mind. Don't listen to them setting you up. Say whatever comes to your mind and just go with it because that's, she's missing a connection to this character, and it's a good character. And I'm going to tell you something. On that Survivor Series card, now that the Revival have lost the tag team titles, because I was all over that undisputed era, Fish and O'Reilly versus War Raiders versus Revival match. The match of the night for me so far on the Survivor Series card is Becky, Shayna, and Bailey. I think that is a barn burner. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting match. I, boy, I just absolutely hated getting the revival out of what was oh. looking like the workhorse match. Oh, because those because Fish and O'Reilly and the revival together would be awesome. But those two working over the War Raiders? Are you kidding me? Give me that. Give me the War Raiders crushing these four little dudes. Throwing them all over the place. And it's not like you're not bringing in good hands in Big E and Kofi Kingston, a flying guy and a base, to even out the formula of the match a little bit more than Dash and Dawson, who are two mid-sized guys. But well, all you have to do is run yeah. the playbook. All you have to do is run the playbook of the DIY versus Authors of Pain versus the Revival three-way. It it's the same dynamic, except this time the War Raiders are the baby faces. This time the AOP are the baby faces, and they just throw around the other two teams. I am oh, I wanted, the, and now we get the new and the new day's fine. I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just it's one of those things where. You look at that match and you go, oh, that would be awesome. And then you get this and you go, oh, that's good. But it's not as awesome as that was. I get the project that is being done here with trying to rebuild Kofi Kingston. And I think it's good that they didn't just completely forget about him after taking the title off of him. That said... Watching Kofi Kingston win the tag team titles once again felt like a demotion. Going back real quick to the women's three-way, um, here's the other reason why Bailey needs to do a better job on this character. At least up until that moment she was on the headset, I was dead set certain she's the one that's supposed to win that three-way match. Because I think they're going to set up Shayna and Becky for a Ronda reappearance to do, re go back and do Ronda and, and Becky. I think Bailey was the one who needed the win out of those three. 
because she's been the one taking the beating so far from Shayna. And if she could get over on character, then it then it would kind of ease their fears that yes, we can put Bailey over these two. What makes you the think fact- she's not going to win? Um, I, I I think her performance right now on the microphone might be giving people second thoughts. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I because I my vibe has been given just you know the way WWE likes to book and kind of classic wrestling booking. Sheena keeps getting one over on Bailey, and yeah. they've also been focusing so much on Becky and Shayna really having. They respect each other and don't like each other, whereas Shayna does not respect Bailey. It makes more sense that Bailey finds a way to get a pin on Shayna Baszler. Right. And and people are invested in this heel Bailey character. It's just they're not getting a return on the investment. I think people want this character to work because she's such a good worker in the ring. It, it's 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 the Becky corollary all over again from what, a year and a half ago, or was it even just last year where it's like the failed heel turn that turned her into a babyface? Here they want the heel turn to work because as a babyface, she was a a dope. So <laughs> they want her to be a smart character that they can get behind, even if it is a heel character that they can get behind. Yeah, the ooh, can we get another headset out here because Nikki Cross touched it? That's no, no, no. <laughs> the worst part was it was all she had. She, yeah. It's like her brain short-circuited, and she couldn't come up with any other yeah. heel commentary lines other than like, oh, yeah, like you expect me to like talk into this? No, Bailey, lights, I expect you to get yourself over. Yeah, the lights went on, and she froze. That That's what happened there. That that happens to a lot of performers. They have this all this charisma, and then the camera comes on. It's Brad Armstrong. It's Brad Armstrong. Remember, you hear, oh, he's so funny backstage. And then he goes out to the promo and he's like balsa wood. Just terrible. All right. So we have these network shows to get to. You did not watch 205 Live, so I will get that out of the way. Um, They've decided to, for at least a couple weeks, I think, follow up on Mansoor, who I watched that match with Cesaro. It was pretty darn good. Uh, Mansoor has something. I don't know if it's the right something for WWE to play upon because ethnicity will work against him, etc. But he has something. He's not out- untalented in the ring. No, we, we've always no. agreed on that. Yeah, absolutely. And he's not. And he's also not uncharismatic. He has very nice hair. He's not <laughs> charismatic, but he came out here. He had a, uh, he had a back and forth with uh Brian Kendrick eventually stole the win. Um, yeah. And the, he wore the full sale crowd. I think reacted negative to him at first because they are the type that are inclined to hate everything about the Saudi Arabia deal. I get that, but they warmed up to him eventually. And they also liked Kendrick. They got Kendrick a job during the cruiserweight classic. So they're inclined to like Brian Kendrick, but Mansoor won them over eventually fun match. We'll see if they have him on for a couple weeks and then they put him back in the advanced class again, because that tends to be their thing. It's interesting. I could see him being on two Oh five live more. He does, you know, one of the big issues with him ever going onto the main roster besides the politics is that his frame is fairly slight. So he's a better fit on two Oh five live where He's not being asked to be bigger. I also think that gives him more flexibility to work as either a face or a heel. And yeah, you know, if that uh, NXT crowd down there is booing him, 
Um, so long as you can keep the booze from being political, lean into the booze. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I think it's always going to be tricky with Monsoor, as I've observed before all this went down. He's a guy who is on the roster because of the business slash political relationship between WWE and Saudi Arabia. I think he's earned his way on in terms of work. I think the guy can actually go in the ring, but he is career in WWE is always going to be viewed also through the lens of that business relationship with the nation state of Saudi Arabia. And I mean, that goes right back to his appearance on the roster at crown jewel. The first one where they had him beating up Muhammad Hassan. They replayed the niece versus angel Garza match. We'll get to that. Uh, when we go over NXT, I think I get to take a victory lap, or at least I get to take half a victory lap, and Chris gets to take half a victory lap, but we'll talk about that in a moment. And then the main event, again, Shake Them Rope's favorite, Raul Mendoza, comes out here and has a barn burner with Leo Rush. I loved this match. I love Raul Mendoza. They so many people are going out. to realize how good this guy is. They can't figure out how to get him over with anything but moves. And it drives me insane because he is so good. And I, I love this kid. I've loved this kid for two and a half, three years. Get, if he's going to be on this 205 live thing every week, great. Because he is so welcome. I, I want him to eventually hold this belt and cut a championship promo. I love Raul Mendoza. He, he is needs fantastic. to be this. If the 205 live brand is going to stay around or even when it becomes this time, he needs to be the underdog. The guy is like a little mini Daniel Bryan story because you've got the tape to show that this guy has been going out and putting on his hard hat and working Week in, week out on undercard matches all over this roster for, you said three years? I feel like it's been longer than that. I feel like I've been seeing, yeah, I've been seeing Raul Mendoza working his ass off for the last four years, five years. He debuted on the same Cruiserweight Classic as as the one where Brian Kendrick got a job. So, I mean, he's been around that long. Wow. Yeah, that was 2014 or 2015. Okay. So it's four years then. Yeah, no, he's been great every single time. It's just one of those things where they'll reintroduce him. They reintroduced him in that tag match with Umberto Carrillo. And he was great in that, got huge pops, got that crowd. And then they didn't do anything with him for three weeks. And you're just like, well, why would you do something like that? Um, Yeah, so that was 205 Live. Um, They're still uploading it on Friday, which I think is a bad move because I think they expect, oh, well, if we're cutting out three hours for Raw, then we're going to cut out the two hours for SmackDown. Oh, we still have that extra hour where we want to watch wrestling. So we want to watch 205 on the <laughs> network. And I'm like, are you crazy? Put it back on Tuesday or Wednesday so I can watch it whenever I have time, please. The audience demands three hours. They crave three hours of this. Why would you want to watch anything else when you have the WWE Network? Thank you, Vince. Uh, NXT UK? Yeah, let's do a little NXT UK. So, this week began with an interesting little enhancement match between Tyson T-Bone and Joe Coffey. I liked the punching 
I, I thought it yes. was a nice change of pace. I, this, this was the right length of time for this match. It was under five minutes. I thought Tyson T-Bone got over his fighting style well. I thought it was a nice little showcase for Joe Coffey. Right guy won, right length. I, I enjoyed this match for what it was. I do too. I've been down on Tyson T-Bone because I always thought his look did not match his in-ring style. I thought he should be a brawler. He should be coming in as a brawler and instead he'd go in there and do like technical wrestling, which he's pretty good at. But yes, big men doing bad things and punching each other in the face. Give me that. I like that in my wrestling. I'm a punch kick kind of guy. I don't want to see him dancing. I, I don't. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of the AEW women's division, which is just, I, it's not my thing. Uh, you know, I don't get the Freddie Mercury thing. I thought that was fun. At, you can't at, work as a heel and do We Will Rock. Oh, yes, okay, I, it was, mind. you know, it was fine at the pay-per-view shows, but I don't get that week in, week out. No. Um, But yeah, no, I, I like Tyson T-Bone a lot. I hated when he was teaming with, you know, your... Saxton Huxley is in your Joseph Connors. I, I oh, think he's such has, a hater. Such a hater. He, he well, he has he has <laughs> he has more charisma than those two. I know. So, I mean, yes. Look, he's he's uh, <laughs> yeah. Saxton and Joseph Connors are my to your Tony niece. Let's put well, it no, I, I just like he has more charisma than Saxton Huxley. I know, but that's like everyone. Who who doesn't have more charisma no, than Saxon Joseph Connors? Saxon Huxley has a little bit of charisma. He's just a little it's it's a little goofy. Joseph Connors does not. He talks to himself, and I'm supposed to think he's psychotic. So let's just move on. Okay, speaking of confusing pushes, since you brought up Joseph Connors, Isla Dawn <laughs> is apparently <laughs> on one now in a story. Uh-huh. So, you know, we talk about this idea a fair amount on the show of with the beginning of a story, you want to foreshadow the end of it. I don't know how you watched the promo with Killer <laughs> Kelly last week and go, oh, yeah, I bet Isla Dawn wins that match. That makes no sense. I watched this and I went, what? What? Well, then what was the point of the Killer Kelly promo? I need to go in and just pick a fight and kick some ass. <laughs> and then I got my ass beat. <laughs> She's Ben Askren. No, uh, <laughs> I I just I watched it. I went, huh? Isla Dawn. Okay, what do you do with Killer Kelly now? You gonna make her more of a heel because she's already a heel, isn't she? Yeah, I she, just, she just made no she sense. Vacated, she vacated Zaya Brookside. She gets injured. She comes back. I'm gonna pick me a fight with Isla Dawn, who does this witch stuff and this soft offense, and then she loses to her, and you're just like. You're such a geek. <laughs> just and I hate using that word, but she just came off as such a geek. Oh no, there, there, that's total goober territory. You say you're going to pick a fight, you pick the fight, you lose the fight. You're a goober. That's a goober yeah. move. Yeah. Main event here. This was fun. Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews versus the Grizzled Young Veterans. I like. I just the inter-team or intra-team story with the Grizzled Young Veterans is being told very, very well. And Zach Gibson and James Drake, they know how to show little sides of them not being on the same page. Yeah, I'm I'm going to make mention of one other thing because I, I liked this match. I didn't love it quite as much as other people did, but I, I, I do like the interplay between the Grizzled Young Vets quite a bit. I, I just never bought into Webster and... Uh, 
No, it's Webster and Andrews are the problem Andrews. in this match. But the Grizzled Young, I, I almost viewed this as more of a telling the story about the Grizzled Young veterans than really telling the story about Morgan and Webster. And that's, or I'm sorry, Webster and Andrews. And that's part of the problem. If you're going to stage the Gallus Imperium showdown as you are, I get, I liked the f- brawl when it finally exploded. But you got to tease Ilya Dragunov in a tracksuit because it's obvious he's going to just walk over the other side. Yeah, he should have just taken off the tracksuit. The, the story here is that Alexander Wolf has talked Ilya Dragunov into, into buying into Imperium. So when the music hits and he's happy and he's making space for him and Ilya Dragunov comes out in just his tights, you go, of course he's turning on him. Have him come out in the tracksuit and at least tease it for a second. Tease it for a moment that this is five on three and that somebody else is going to come out to help it, help the Coffee Brothers and Wolfgang. That said, this is another one of those odd things where Ilya Dragunov is now huge babyface teaming with Gallus, who are not babyfaces. I thought maybe, again, I, I, I kind of liked my idea of uh, Dave Mastiff because you get another big dude with Gallus here and they just become that big guy contingent. But I, I just, it's one of those weird things where I guess Gallus nominally is the baby face though. Kind of. In the, Yeah, no, they, they, I think that's the way NXT UK is the kind delusion, of been booking this. They're the, they're the delusional heels as opposed to the vicious heels, even though they think they're vicious. So teaming Dragonoff, who's also I guess it's because they're the, they're the underdogs. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The delusion gives them an underdog vibe. Joe Coffee staring at Walter, going, "I can kick your ass," even though Walter's beaten him before. It makes Joe Coffee sympathetic. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting putting those two teams together because I just think. Between Gallus, the Grizzled Young Vets, and Imperium, you just have various shades of bad guy. And it becomes a, a, the the three-way standoff you see in the movies between, you know, no honor among thieves. And I dig that stuff. I don't need a good guy in a match. I just need various shades of how evil are you and what are your motives here? Because, you know, one could be for the titles. One could be because they like getting in fights and the other could be for money. And I'm fine with all three of those stories taking place all at the same time. Uh, but I did. Yeah. Like so fight. often we focus on like white hat versus black hat storytelling. And I do think that that's obviously still the core of wrestling, but there is always going to be space for the intrigue storyline where it's like, who's going to screw who over? You can't do that every week. It can't be the entire meat and potatoes of your show. But as a spice, having, you know, screw over intrigue storylines, I think does a lot of work. I'll, I'll give it a comic book corollary. You can have, you know, Joker, you know, being the, the insane force going through Gotham. You can have Dark Side who wants to be world and universe conquer and then you have the flash rogues gallery who are just bank robbers with a code of honor to be loyal to each other and to not hurt women and children and they're all bad guys they're just various shades of bad guys with their own different motives so yeah i I liked it too I, i thought it was it was an okay show it wasn't anything noteworthy 
the killer Kelly thing still just made me go, huh? You know what else? Okay. The other thing that kind of annoyed me a little was the Zaya Brookside promo, but it wasn't the Zaya Brookside part of the promo. It was that cut where Zaya Brookside gives this great baby face promo and she walks away. And then you have the ring announcer from NXT who's been doing the backstage interviews on this last set of TV tapes, just with this big smile nodding up and down. You know, it's like, no, you're a journalist. You got the story. Let's just cut from there as opposed to, wow, I really like her. I don't know. I was kind of, I'm kind of going back and forth because I think I might be wrong on that point. I just, there was something Yeah, no, I know. So I get not wanting that out of your journalists for sure. But I think in the case of Zaya Brookside, if, if we're fine. moving it, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think she probably needs it. Is where I was going no, with I, that. I, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not. It's not just. It's fine. I think with other people, you might not want to do it. But I think in her case, she needs all the lifting she can get. Halfway through my point, I went, "Nope, this is a bad point. You should cut it off." But I just couldn't. I had to go through with it anyway. And now I can we build, get... I can build off even the worst of points, Hawkins. Well, build a career out of that. That's your job here, damn it. Um, <laughs> now we get to NXT, and I'm going to start not in order here because I'm going to take a bit of a victory lap. When I asked you last week, that Angel Garza video promo, that was a baby face promo for a heel. Well, they came right back with the heel video promo. He's a babyface in a match, and then afterwards turns back heel against Leo Rush. This is inconsistency at its finest. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think yeah, we could kind of go either way, right? Either they wanted to present him as a babyface for the context of this match, and then they don't want him as a babyface in the long term. Um, I liked the pairing. I liked Tony oh, I East and Angel. Match. I thought this was, this was great. I you know the thing that stuck out to me on top of just the work. I love the uh, tight color choice. The blue and the like, Robin's egg blue and the red really looks good on the screen. Yeah, and uh, you know it gives you a chance to actually say something positive about Tony East for once. Oh yeah, so. he was really good. In, <laughs> no, he was really good in this match. I, I thought he worked really well. Uh, I. Th- I I, no, this is a great pairing. Yeah, I, I have no problem with Tony Nese. I think the Garza's game fantastic, too. It's just I wish yeah. they could decide which way they want to turn in hard on him because last week's promo was full on. I'm fighting for my family and the Garza legacy, and he's hand-slapping people, and they're I showing I think they him. see him like Eddie Guerrero. I, I think, you know, maybe that's I, – I hopefully that is – Han what? Solo rogue type where well, yeah I, a little I get bit that. yes right yeah I, um, get, I, I get that where he's you know where he's where he's being suave to the women and he just doesn't like the dudes but that's still you can't turn that into a baby face I don't think just yet no I and I wouldn't be trying to turn it into a baby face I, I think here's what I think has to happen in order to kind of keep the character on the path that it needs to be on he needs to lose to Leo Rush, and when he loses to Leo Rush, he actually gains some respect for Leo Rush. He doesn't like Leo Rush, but this is the first dude that he kind of sort of respects because someone's actually his better, um, and he's willing to accept that. But but Garza, no, I think he still needs to keep being a jerk. I'm going to lay out a scenario for you. I want you to tell me if this is true or false. The only way at this point to salvage Dakota Kai 
is if she screws over Mia Yim next week on the ladder match to give the heels the advantage in war games and that she is the fourth member of Shayna Baszler's team, despite getting beat. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Dakota Kai has to turn heel. I was thinking that up until the point that Shayna Baszler and fight and play went back to beating on her because I thought the story was going to be because I loved the Dakota Kai Shayna Baszler match. I really like Dakota Kai as a wrestler. I think she's great. No, I thought she was really, really good. I actually even like the, I sort of like the Dakota Kai coming up short storyline because I just didn't see that much mileage left in her as a baby face. I think they just have to really go in on this yeah, heel turn for ba- Dakota the Kai. The Bailey Light character worked against her early in her career, but I think she got over that. I, I like her a lot. I liked the knee striking. I think she was a little more vicious here, but I thought they were doing a mutual respect angle except on the heel side type thing where they were going to beat down on Dakota Shayna gets the win, but man, she really gave me a beating and she gave fight and play a beating after that match. And you know, those good guys are disrespecting her. Maybe she'd be an asset for our team and maybe I can put her on that team. And then it would become kind of a morally conflicted story. Kind of like they did with Nice on the captain's choice thing on two Oh five live without fully turning Dakota until she joins the team. Because then you split up her and Tegan Knox, you have that whole story. And what is this good person, Dakota, going to do with these bad, vicious people? Will she be able to live up to their standards? Or is she going to blow it for them on the team? Now, to me, it's she's been disrespected in public by Rhea Ripley, which was a heel move. That was just a jerk move to turn her. Sorry, Dakota, you don't make the cut. That. Uh, it was that's really weird to see move. Tegan. Yeah, and Tegan was just like, oh, well, I guess that's, you know, how these things go, best friend. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. It's not like, oh, Rhea, you're a jerk for screwing my best friend and clowning yeah, her Yeah, no, it, what Tegan, Tegan would have said is, well, if you don't want Dakota, then you don't want me. You'll have to get another partner. Or you say, hey, don't do this while the camera's on. You do this in private as opposed to, as opposed to embarrassing her. What's your problem? And it's it to me it, that just rang false. Like, well, I'm on this war games team. I'm gonna look out for myself right <laughs> this now. This is what I'm really trying to do with my yeah. career is get on a war hey, games this team. This is show business, not show friends. Ha uh, ha ha! You know that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, I just I just went. Oh man, that that part did not ring for me. But I think the only answer to this story because I was thinking, okay, maybe they bring in Tony Storm as a partner somewhere. Maybe there's a heel that I'm not thinking of here maybe jazzy comes in as the fourth person on the heel team maybe they bring in somebody from the main maybe they reintroduce nia Jax this way on nxt in the war games and then they put her on the main roster or maybe tamina or somebody in the back that they have that's that they can introduce as a killer heel because i just i was watching this and going okay who do they have and i and then the answer is it has to be dakota kai yeah, I think that's right. I, I think Dakota wants to be in the match. So you so you have so what you do is you have as a thank you to the good person team for clowning her like that, you have Dakota come out, screw Mia Yim, who took quote unquote her place, and then she goes and she joins Shayna Baszler and the bad guys on the War Games team. 
Perfect mm. story. Mm. Perfect story to me. There you go. Uh, let's let's finish up this women's division because there's the other thing I wanted to just rail on. So at the second May Young Classic, or I believe it was the first one, the first one, they introduced Santana Garrett. Stephanie. Oh okay, my god! Here we go. Santana Garrett. They put her over big as a real life Wonder Woman. Oh, she's a real life Wonder Woman. Da, 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 da. And then they just beat her clean. Clean as a sheet. Just this time. Oh, it's. She has the power to slow down time. Did you see that during the match? <laughs> now they reintroduce. I'm just going to talk. I'm not going to talk about the wrestling skill. I'm going to talk about the framing. They bring her down. This is her television debut. She's had some personal problems. She's doing this for her father who died of cancer. And then Tainara Conti beats her clean as a sheet as soon as they bring up the cancer thing. Are you kidding me? Are you effing kidding me on that? You're, if, if you're going to beat Santana Garrett, don't make her sympathetic. Just bring her out and go, hey, she's been working a lot on the road, real road warrior. Now her chance to shine on the NXT roster in her debut, blah, blah, blah. To have her... to, to Bring up her as a scrappy underdog doing it for her family and in the memory of her dead parents. And then you beat her to Tainara Conti, who <laughs> I like Tainara Conti. I'm not as high on her work rate, but she's. I don't know that she had a great dance partner in Santana Garrett. If Santana Garrett. Yeah, no, I, I thought that Garrett. Like, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, there is a oh sequence in this match where at one point, Tainara whips Garrett into the corner and then they're trying to come out of the corner and go off the ropes and the whole thing. I saw one version of it on Twitter that was slowed down a little bit and it looks brutal, but then I actually went and watched the original one and it's not much better. It, it, it isn't... The one that, there was one that was making the rounds that was slowed down. I think I would say an additional ten percent, and, and it made it look really bad. But the work was sloppy and loose, and I, I mean, cartwheels and handsprings to nowhere for no reason. That looked just bad. And I, I, will, I mean, I will give you a question. There was just too much stuff going on too with the cancer to to focus on all these different storylines at once and then kind of you know finish up with oh Tynara wins okay what was a worse sequence that or that tag spot in the match with the Kabuki Warriors and Natalia and Charlotte where Charlotte is right there struggling for the pin for like thirty seconds, because Kyrie hasn't come up and and stopped her from it, but it's it's the most. Have you seen this? It's the most ridiculous thing. No, I haven't seen this. Smackdown. God, and they, it's it's a decent little tag match, but there's this spot where you know they've been beat, they've been working over Charlotte, and she's going for the hot tag, and she's reaching out, and she's right at the corner, and you can see their hands can touch, but she's not allowed to make the tag because Kyrie's supposed to stop it. But she's there for a good 15 seconds, not even moving. And you're just like, this is the most ridiculous looking thing in the history of stuff. So that's what I thought when I saw that slow motion thing where, and I think possibly it's it's part language barrier with Tainara, as she is Brazilian, um, with Santana. Yeah, and I think it's Santana not being... 
familiar. Yeah, I, I mean, there was some shakiness there too. But yeah, just not familiar, I think. You know, she could have a better match in a month from now. Yeah, when they re-debut her as not Santana Garrett, they give her another name, like Lacey Lane. Or something, and you'll just go, wasn't she Santana Garrett a week ago? Oh, now she's uh, she's Audrey Higginbottom or something like I don't know. Whatever they decide to do with her. Yeah. It's a, Enhancement Jones. Enhancement Jones. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. I want enhance, Soul Train Jones and Enhancement Jones. I, I want them as a team in AEW. <laughs> uh, so uh, go through the other matches here. Let's see what I can remember of other things. Okay, so here, let's talk about Dijakovic and Swerve Scott. What did you think about this? Again, baffling, because why would you have this match when you've been building up Swerve, and Swerve has been getting such great reactions with both Fandango and on the 205 roster, and Dijakovic have been getting great things through his stuff with Keith Lee. This seems like there's no winner here, and... It's, you, you you beat Swerve clean as a sheet, and you just have to rebuild him up again. I I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, and did this really help Dodgerkovich? Yeah, are, are, yeah. are there other guys that was in my the other back part. you can't beat right now? You have to beat. You have to put these two because you want a great wrestling show as opposed to build stars. That, that's it, it. It it was baffling to me. Yeah, it hurt Scott more than it helped Dijakovic, and I could argue that it didn't really help Dijakovic at all. Pete Dunne defeats Damian Priest. I don't like the fact that we just went back to this so quickly. I don't either. I think the story they're telling is a little shoehorned in that Dunne didn't really beat him clean. He beat him by doing the same thing that Damian Priest did to him just recently. I think this is something you, you back off on and then you come back to the match when it naturally progresses and it's naturally time for it, especially after having Damian Priest basically being a babyface fighting on behalf of NXT along with Pete Dunne in these invasion angles. It, it's just one of those weird things. I agree. Don't come back to it too quick. Don't do the same thing again too quick. You have time. It's not consistent with Damian Priest's character either. His whole his whole gimmicks that he wants to build his name in infamy and refighting Pete Dunne doesn't actually build out his brand any. He should just be constantly trying to get wins over more and more high-profile people and more and more unscrupulous ways of trying to get those wins as the challenge and competition There should increases. be a race-type thing. He should be looking, and, and I don't mean race as in skin color, I mean a race as in a, a road race. Damien Priest beat, beat Dunne he should look at him and go, I beat you already. Doesn't matter how I beat you. I'm moving on to bigger and better things. I'm looking at titles right now. I'll see you later. And and Dunn should be going, okay, I need to build my resume up to the point where I need to become a title contender too so I can screw Damian Priest out of his title shot. And that's where the build comes. And then when they naturally meet again, then you can do that. Pete Dunn beats Damian Priest and thwarts his title hopes by kicking him in the balls. That's fine. That's perfectly well story. You don't need to tell it in two weeks. You don't need to tell it in two weeks. And also, again, this Archer stuff. Stop it. It's stupid. He doesn't bring a bow and arrow with him. He just does that for his entrance. He doesn't need to do it during the match. 
He doesn't need to do that and then go straight fire like Becky Lynch used to do. Okay, stop the archery stuff, please. And then in our main event, which was really more of an angle than a main event, we had the OC versus Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle. I'm just going to cut to the chase here. Does Finn Balor join the OC and do we get a Bullet Club reunion? I don't think they do it officially because I think that this is a one-off for the OC being on NXT. I do. I don't. I, I think. I think they just go. Hey, they're aligned with each other, but they don't pay it off because they want to keep. They want to keep Finn Balor separate from the main roster. So I, I don't think they pay it off, but I do think they're aligned. You know what? It's been. Uh, yeah, and I think maybe you're right. Maybe at some point here, Finn Balor is going to debut the formalized alliance with the OC, but it doesn't make any sense to do that beat of the story right now as we're cruising into war and games. I think it's probably even more ridiculous for him to tease it and then turn because they do that every time they do that every time with this it's like at this point even if you got a reunion of what good is it if you're not going to push them all as a unit I mean Finn's staying on NXT the OC's going back to the main roster you know what's the use of having them you know okay they do a too sweet and they do a beat down but you're never going to forward them as a stable you know this has been a week of this has been a week of guys doing flips over the ropes and almost killing themselves between matt riddle sadie gibbs on aew dark and then one of the members of private party on on dynamite uh almost eating it guys are catching their ropes trying to do too many flips too late into the match they are okay randy orton i i mean no, no, I no, I, I think that that's a good point, though. You should get your spring out of your legs earlier yeah. in the match when you still have your hey, spring. Andy Orton just re-signed for a multi-year deal, and I'm almost positive eventually, and this is a joke I'm taking from someone else, so my apologies, uh, he's going to find a way to never have to leave his feet during a match, and it's going to be awesome because he's Randy Orton, and you know it looked like he was just kind of playing the leverage type thing to get more money with the, all the social media stuff. So good for him. But yes, the point stands, you know, if you're 20 minutes into a match, maybe doing a Fosbury flop when you're tired, isn't the best thing to do because you might catch your head on the apron as Matt Riddle almost did. Anything else from this show you wanted to hit? Um, what did the undisputed era do on this show? Remind me, did they do anything? I, they came out at the end of the show, I believe, and they were standing in the ring and squaring off with uh, yeah the OC. I thought. Oh, that's right, maybe. because they jumped them earlier. Yeah, no, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I like this NXT show. I liked both shows on Wednesday. Wednesday nights are a joy to watch wrestling, and they really are. It's just I think they'd be more served by doing less WWE tone and more. We're not WWE tone, which that to me is the problem with the OC invasion stuff is that you have enough going on with Imperium and the Undisputed Era as dominant factions, adding in main roster factions in addition to making Wednesday night on NXT feel more like the main roster. I think it just it creates too many people vying for one well, it's spot. Kind of an inside joke too for the OC because if you recall. When the New Japan Four, which are Gallows, Anderson, Styles, and Nakamura, all signed with WWE, the thought was going to be, 
oh, they're going to be stuck on NXT forever and way too long and not cash in on this. And then Styles got debuted on the Royal Rumble. Gallows and Anderson debuted on the Raw, I think, the next night. And Nakamura was the one in NXT. And the other three of the OC never went to NXT. So I think that's kind of a interesting little little uh, bit of continuity for the smarky types. But uh, Nakamura just needed to learn where the hard camera was at. <laughs> The cat disagrees. I can hear it in the background. No, Chesterfield, I think he feels as though we've gone on long enough here. And I perhaps agree. he's right. We got to get this show out. We got to get you all over to Manscaped to buy buy lots of stuff and so that Chris and I can uh, do this show in 2020 and have it be worth our while. Chester, tell them. Tell them where to get the prices. Where to get the deal, Chester. Well, Go. Manscaped. Shake ropes. No, oh, oh yeah, now you're, yeah, yeah, shake ropes. Get 20% off. Oh, yeah, now you're going to yeah. shut up. Yeah. He's horrible. He's, the, he's, 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 a, he's a horrible co-host. Uh, you can follow me at CrapGabe13. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. The occasionally updated Patreon is patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Chris should get high and watch wrestling again and record something yeah no I, i'm i'm overdue for that i really am um now's the part of the show where i mentioned that uh, reviews are in and once again it's crazy just like last week don't worry about the government still the greatest news and politics show in the world so go and subscribe to it at don'tworry.tv or on itunes on stitcher and wherever greatest podcasts in the world can be found my other show is called The All in the Family Podcast. You can find that at theallinthefamilypodcast.com. See you next week. <laughs>